Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're with uh, Helena Wuff Bay, and we are talking about her work in the field of telepathy. Let's talk about the dream telepathy you were mentioning. What is that? So I described an experiment in a laboratory where the participant was getting mental impressions from the researcher, and this is while they were awake. So there's also a paradigm where the participant's actually asleep. So they're receiving these impressions during their dream state. Wow, that's amazing. I know, and we found from over 50 years, 50 years of these studies, that the participants could accurately identify the mental target that the researcher was projecting, if you will, through intention, and that this was more, happened more often than what would be expected by chance. So this is incredibly fascinating. We've also done some work about people's specific signatures for how they do this channeling abilities, and one of those 12 characteristics of the signature that we found was around dreams, that some people actually pick up this psychic or channeling type information when they're asleep. And that makes sense because their personality, their ego's conscious self is not in the way. So they're in this very relaxed state and these subconscious, unconscious impressions might rise to the surface more easily than if they're awake and they're judging or criticizing or busy with their daily life. Now, also, you have looked at studies in laboratories versus experiences in real life. How did they compare? So what's fascinating, I've shared some of these laboratory studies, and we we clearly see that we see this beyond chance, but people, you know, obviously don't participate in laboratory studies all the time. They experience it in daily life. And so one very common experience of telepathy in daily life has to do with the telephone. So how many of you listeners have actually heard your phone ringing and before looking at your caller ID, you get an impression, oh, it's mom or oh, it's, you know, friend so-and-so. And then you look at your phone and you're like, oh, wow, I was right. This is an incredibly common experience. And uh, our IONS fellow, Rupert Sheldrake, has been studying this for a very long time, and we are currently running a study to replicate his studies and delve a little bit deeper into how telepathy works through telephone telepathy. One thing about telepathy is we're not exactly sure all the nuances of how it works but we're pretty clear about how it doesn't work. So in the movies, you know, you imagine that, you know, they show some, you know, something shooting out of someone's eyes or seeing this mental image being zapped to the next person. Yeah, or a beam of light hitting them in the head or something. Exactly, like it's a signal that's traveling from one mind to another mind. But telepathy likely doesn't work like that because we know that People can get telepathic information instantaneously and from the future and from great distances. And if it was a signal or a force, it would take time to travel that distance. So it doesn't take that any time for that message from my cousin to reach me. It's just instantaneously. So more and more researchers are arguing that 
consciousness is fundamental and this non-local, so it transcends time and space. And we can get these mental impressions um, outside of kind of this traditional linear or spatial construct. Alene, give us an example of telephone telepathy. So, like I mentioned, you know, the phone rings and... I see an image of my mom. Actually, this happens all the time because my mom and I are are quite close. And I'll say, okay, that's mom calling. And I'll look at my phone and say, oh, there's mom. So it's this experience of knowing who is calling you or thinking of someone. Mm -hmm. And then the phone rings and you're like, oh, wow, I was just thinking of you. And they just called you. So people experience this is a very, very common experience if we did a poll of your audience you know i'd say at least half of them probably had some type of experience like this see i think so, the human body is like wi-fi and it's connected yeah. with everything it, yeah. you know, and you're connected i'm connected we're all part of it and when it crosses with telepathy it merges and it's just a communication device Right. So we're all interconnected. And so what we're really curious about is what makes that stronger in some people and some situations than others. So why doesn't telephone telepathy happen all the time? We saw from Rupert Sheldrake's and his colleagues' studies that it was definitely beyond what we would expect by chance. Like people were definitely able to guess who was calling them in these structured experiments. And so are there other nuances that we can tease apart for how telephone telepathy works? So we're running a study right now that's looking at genetics. So hmm, tell me does about my that. sorry? Tell us about that. Yeah, so does my uh, genetic relationship influence how correct I am on guessing who's calling me? So it is it stronger with my mom versus my, you know, stepmom who I don't have a biological connection to versus a biological connection. The other factor we're looking at is physical distance. So does it matter if the person's 3000 miles away versus 10 miles away? I don't think space has anything to do with it, do you? I don't either, and we're hypothesizing that the physical distance is not going to make a difference. Because Edgar tried some experiments while he was in his Apollo 14 capsule coming back from the moon, and he was like 200,000 miles away. That's right, and we see that over and over again in various uh, psi-channeling studies, is that distance doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, You know, you can remote view something, that's thousands of miles away, just as well as you can remote view something that's very near to you. Is it the same when you're listening to the radio and uh, let's say you have a music station on and you're thinking about a specific song and all of a sudden they play it? (laughs) Yes. So that's a great question. And is that knowing the future or is that your consciousness somehow influencing the radio station to play Good point. what you want to hear? You've somehow keyed into the disc jockey, and uh, right. he's thinking about the same song because of you. Exactly. Exactly. So the other factor we're looking at, you mentioned um, connectedness. So we're also looking at emotional closeness. 
So the participants are going to be rating how emotionally close they feel to the others. So we can see if that makes a difference. If there's someone, you know, my lover who I just met, who I'm really in love with, is it going to be easier to know when they're calling me versus someone I don't feel that connected to? I would tend to say, based on experience, that the more you know someone, the more tuned in each other might be. Yes, that is what we're hypothesizing as well. And that's what Rupert saw in his early studies, was that people who were emotionally closer to each other were more accurate in knowing that they were calling. So we, we're expecting that we're going to see that again. I'm going to do a quick experiment with you, Helena. Ready? Okay. Between 1 and 10, I'm going to send you a number in your head, and you tell me what it is. I've written it down, and I'm going to show it to Danny, my engineer board op. He sees the number, and I'm going to send it to you. When you tell me your mind is clear, I'll send it to you, okay? Okay. Totally clear, and I will send it to you. Clear. Okay, I sent it. What's the number? Between 1 and 10, you have a 10% chance of getting it right. Three. It was eight. <laughs> Same shape. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. Now, did it, did you think eight at all? I saw the shape of a three. But who knows? Maybe the other half. Well, it's interesting because as I made the eight, I did the three part first. Okay. That is, but uh, that's a that's a form of telepathy. What we just tried, isn't it? That's exactly that is a telepathy experiment. And so, if we were in the lab, we would just repeat that over and over and over again. Let's say we did a hundred trials like that. We would expect, if telepathy didn't exist, that we would get a fifty-fifty chance of getting those trials right. But if telepathy was at play, we'd get more than 50 trials right. What kind of science is studying this right now, and who's doing it? As far as I know, this is the only study that's happening currently. Like I said, Rupert Sheldrake and his colleagues have, have done a number of studies. Mm -hmm. and, and Rupert he's a great guy. I think we, we almost lost telephone. him. I'm sorry? We almost lost him. Yeah, so we have a telephone telepathy. He's doing one, and we're also doing one. And ours is a little bit different because we have a couple of different aspects that we're looking at that he's not looking at. The four that I was talking about, I didn't mention the last one, which is communication frequency. So, you know, I talk to my mom pretty regularly, so that would have a high communication frequency score, whereas, you know... My best friend from elementary school I talk to every few months, so that would have a lower communication frequency score. So those four pieces, the genetics, the physical distance, the emotional closeness, and the communication frequency are the different factors that we're looking at to see if they influence how accurate people are with this telephone telepathy study. And, and so other than the telepathy... Mm -hmm. What would you say the usefulness is of telepathy? I mean, be beyond the novelty of, hey, that's pretty cool. What's the usefulness? How do you use it practically? Well, imagine us as humans evolutionarily, how useful that could be. Before, you know, GPS and telephones and computers, if you could 
tune into your the next village over without needing to go there that would take you a week to be able to communicate a message and maybe people in that village were much more sensitive than others and they were the human telephones if you will to be able to communicate messages it makes sense that humans would develop such a capacity to be able to connect with each other across time and space. Now, you're asking, well, okay, that sounds great evolutionarily, but what about right now? Imagine, you know, we're so tied to our devices, what if we could strengthen that intuitive capacity to be able to connect with others in a different way, to be able to connect in that emotional way. What if my phone dies and I need to get a message to someone? Or, you know, mothers talk about this with their children, like they just instantly know if their children are in danger. They have that sense. Animals do too. Exactly. There's many, many studies that Rupert also has done with animals, you know, knowing when they're Owners are in danger and running miles to go help them. Um, it's quite fascinating. So when you say, how could we apply this? I think we are already intrinsically using telepathy without necessarily being aware or conscious of it, that humans just kind of do this naturally as a way to connect with each other. And if we bring awareness and intention to it, we might be able to become conscious of it and to use it to support ourselves and to support our connections with others. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.